With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Vinny Iyer, momentarily, Bill Bender, his colleague who covers college football, coming up here in about 20 minutes. Look forward to that. Uh, Vinny Iyer, very timely guest here today, is NFL Predictions 2020, Super Bowl, dot, dot, dot. The playoffs are all posted at sportingnews.com. If you're so inclined, uh, Vinny's Derby picks were just posted as well as he does a lengthy piece on the Derby. We just had Dick Girardi. I can tell you that the local-owned horse, Thousand Words, Vinny's got him second, Trent Condon. Nice. How about that? Uh, Vinny Iyer, Northwestern grad, joins us. And a three-time Jeopardy champion. Vinny, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming back on in Des Moines. Vinny Iyer, how are you? Doing well. Uh, yeah, looking forward to a pretty busy week ahead. Uh, thought we'd have the start of college football for real. We'll have a few games, but at least the Kentucky Derby's not a bad appetizer for the NFL regular season. Nope, you're right. It's, it's weird, the first Saturday in September, but the whole year is weird. We've got to get used to it, and we're getting more, sadly, uh, more used to it as uh, we go on here, Vinny. Well, it was good to see your NFL predictions uh, come out. As you mentioned, we're a week from today away from... Uh, Pulling up the curtain on the 2020 season, Vinny, are you surprised that it's seemingly that some uh, that the NFL has signed off on some stadiums, some states are going to allow fans, therefore it's going to make it uh, uh, okay for some uh, home teams to have fans in their building, uh, some other teams not. Competitive disadvantage. They don't believe that there is one, Vinny. I was surprised uh, that that was the take from the NFL that they don't see a competitive advantage. For instance, the Cowboys and Jerry Jones are going to pack as many people in there as he believes he can. I'm surprised. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing um, with different teams and having different protocols just by their geography and what their uh, state laws are at the moment with distancing and all that. So that'll be interesting. To me, I don't think there's a big advantage in the NFL as much as we think with home field. I mean, there's some noisy places there that that definitely affect games. Uh, I think you'd look at some of these buildings, including the Cowboys building. They're so big, and you add the... Legion Stadium to that and SoFi Stadium. These are big, big stadiums where the intimacy is not there. I think the places that are intimidating now are still Kansas City and Green Bay and Seattle where you have the crowd noise. So those places can affect games in that way. But I don't know if you'll have the same type of crowd noise in some of these games that disrupt uh, offensive uh, flow for the opponent. So there's all that, and uh, we know the NFL, look, it, it, it recognizes it's a very good TV product. It can get by with just selling its uh, rights to all these uh, big networks and uh, make their money that way. So if they have to make some adjustments during the season, they will, or if different states 
maybe they can allow fans early, but then something happens where they have to change away from that. I think they'll be okay with that too. So I, I think it's a good policy. I think the bottom line is fans or no fans, their biggest priority is going to be just keeping the players, mm-hmm. officials, coaches, those type of people healthy. Cause that's uh, what they can have happen. And, because they'll still have the game if everyone is fine on that front. Vinny, there's no preseason. The buzz of the NFL. Have you, have you seen it in your traffic? Do you are you able to see the numbers? Because talking NFL, just talking generally to people around here, the buzz, it is not close to what we're used to. What are you seeing on your front as a national writer at the Sporting News? Yeah, it's starting to build here because mm-hmm. people are realizing, okay, we're watching the NBA playoffs. We've watched some of MLB. NHL is getting somewhat interesting here near the end, but we don't feel it's the same way. I mean, uh, I, I feel like uh, there's going to be an asterisk to uh, like it or not with uh, whoever finishes these uh, seasons as champions in those sports. But the NFL, I think what represents is normalcy, right? It's still going off at the right time where it's supposed to. The schedule has not been altered there hasn't been anything set back there. So I think people are okay sacrificing the preseason to have that normalcy. It just means that the buzz and excitement was put a little bit on delay where you don't get to see, say, Tom Brady in a Bucks uniform for the first time on a field until week one. It only changes that. But maybe the NFL will realize, okay, we're okay if uh, camp and preseason are not that big of a deal. It's an usual year because you had competition from NBA and NHL that you typically don't get at this time of year. So – I think they're okay accepting that because they know everyone's going to be full board in the NFL once the Chiefs and Texans kick off here. And I think it's going to be dominant, especially when you look at really get some of the college football programs are there. But if you look at it, not a lot of competition in terms of the crossover. SEC fans are not necessarily Sunday fans. They're either Big 12 just with their particular program. So I think the NFL knows it's going to have the spotlight all to itself. So I think it could also draw a greater audience than usual because that's the thing you can do on Sundays where everything else uh, football-wise to watch from high school to college is going to be a challenge here in 2020. Uh, Trent and I both believe that the, the the new face of the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. I think you can you can maybe debate that a little bit. I mean, he certainly will be at some point if he isn't already. But it, it seems from where I sit, Vinny, that there's more interest in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year than there is in the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you feel that way as well? Well, I think Kansas City, everyone knows what's going to happen. I mean, they everyone recognizes that this is a team that's loaded. Uh, I think 19 of 22 starters are turned and two opted out. So that's pretty darn good uh, when you're the Super Bowl champions and you had some cap issues and you took care of your quarterback, you took care of your best defensive player, Chris Jones. So, yeah, they have a lot of buzz. I think uh, when you look at it, Tampa Bay, we're, we get attracted to the newness, but you do have the greatest of all time going there to be their quarterback. Yeah, that's going to draw some attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, equivalent of uh, LeBron James uh, switching teams. I mean, this is the way it is. I get it, Brady's not in his uh, best years, but it's still a guy that you didn't expect was going to put on a different uniform. So everyone's interested in the Bucks. Now they have Leonard Fournette. It's a loaded team all of a sudden that looks like they can do whatever they want offensively and uh, defensively well. So I think the Bucks. I don't think there's overhype about the Bucks. They were a very good 7-9 and nine team last year. They were number one against the run. They cut down their turnovers with Jameis Winston. Who knows how good they could have been. And I think they would have competed with the Saints through that division. So I, I think Bruce Arians, he also has a good track record. He usually turns teams around. 
with veteran quarterbacks in his system. So all that points the Bucks are going to live up to expectations this year. Will they win the NFC? I mean, I think the NFC is wide open. There are several teams that can win it. I think when you look at what the Vikings have done or the Seahawks have done, teams like that, I think there's a sense around the NFC that anybody can win it, including the Bucks here, and that's why you really have to focus on this season and try to take advantage of it. Going back to back in your predicts, predictions, Chiefs over the Seahawks, the Chiefs, Really, with the Ravens, uh, really, it feels like the only, unless you're really going out on a limb, choice to make in the AFC. What led you down the path of the Seahawks? Well, I think the Seahawks have been kind of trying to rebuild what they had in their best days with their defense and their running game. And they got the running game part fine. I mean, Chris Carson here in the mix, uh, that he had a very productive season last year, have a little bit of insurance here with Carlos Hyde, Rashad Penny. So that's their identity. They want to run the ball a lot, throw the ball downfield. They did upgrade the receiving core. Uh, last year was DK Metcalf. This year you get Greg Olson in there so they can stretch the field, throw deep with Russell Wilson. So very similar to the formula they had earlier offensively. Defensively, I really think their secondary can be something special here with some of the moves they made. Jamal Adams is a massive upgrade there. And it reminds me a lot of Cam Chancellor, the way he plays. Mm-hmm. So. Seahawks, no, they have former with Pete Carroll. This is what got them to a Super Bowl, won them another one. So they kind of have that makeup again. And really, uh, a few plays here and there, they might have been the team playing the Chiefs instead of the 49ers last year. So it's going to be a season for established quarterbacks, star coaches, just systems that you can trust the players in because a lot of changes are going to be bad, and that may ultimately hurt the Bucks a little bit with uh, having to incorporate all these new players. Well, uh, as you know, Vinny, from where we're situated, the NFC North moves the needle here with the Vikings, Packers, uh, and the Bears. Uh, you given the division, at least in your forecast, to the Vikings, close with the Packers, the Bears at 7-9, and nine, the quarterback turmoil part of it. Uh, but uh, kind of give us what went into uh, how you came up with the NFC North as far as your forecast. Well, I think the Vikings, you look at them, uh, they definitely were the best team in the division by the end of the season. You have to say that when they were able to go to New Orleans and win a playoff game, they looked very impressive doing that. They ran into the 49ers, so the Packers. So both those teams lost to the same team in the end. But you look at it, the Vikings, I mean, Anik and Gakwe, what a pickup here late. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did lose a little bit on the defensive line, so that was nice to get him here with Daniel Hunter. I think they were getting long in the tooth and a little stale in the secondary, so some moves there were necessary. And uh, and that's what's been really good about Mike Zimmer. He keeps rebuilding the defense, knows exactly what he wants, has some poor players, but keeps bringing in the right guys to help them. And then, you know, the running game is going to be solid. The offensive line is going to be good. Kirk Cousins was very efficient last year. And Justin Jefferson is going to come in seamlessly and help them without Stephon Diggs. So, you look at this, uh, the Vikings, I think, are an improved team, even though they had some big changes here. Well, the Packers, I think they're pretty much status quo and maybe a little worse from last season. I think they overachieved a little bit last season. So I don't see the Packers sweeping the Vikings again. If the Vikings can at least split that series, including a win in week one, then you feel good about the Vikings. When at the Bears, you just can't trust their quarterback situation. The Lions, uh, I don't know if there's much of anything you can trust. They have pieces of a good team that you want to like the Lions a little bit more, but you know it's hard to see that all come together behind the Packers and Vikings. Talking NFL with Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. You lived in Chicagoland during your college years. No chance at all for the Bears. Where are you in a quarterback battle that 
seemingly, maybe this is just my Bears fandom coming through here, but doesn't seem to matter. This looks to be a, what, 7-9 team regardless of who the quarterback is? Yeah, I just don't kind of get what's going on here because Mitchell Trubisky, I figure you might as well have seen what he has to give you for one more year, but I think the Bears are still clinging to what they were two years ago, that we can still win with defense in the running game and get the job done that way. We have elite players, uh, Khalil Mack and and Akeem Hicks and others, but you still have a big void at linebacker. I don't think they're that great, as great as everyone thinks defensively here. So they're kind of like the Broncos. You're not sure what they're going to get at quarterback. You figure they're going to lean on running game and defense. And of course, Vic Fangio has the connection there. So that's why they're both in that seven and nine, eight and eight range to me. But I think what Bears fans are looking forward to is I don't think they'll mind if the Bears totally crash here and finish with a top five pick because if they do that, then they'll have a shot at the, one of three very special quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. So maybe Bears fans with this messy quarterback situation don't want them to go down this uh, bridge QB route in uh, 2021. And so whoever is a quarterback, they might uh, want some failure here to really have a definitive answer going forward. Interesting. Did your uh, laptop try and autocorrect when you put Buffalo on top of the AFC (laughs) East after, I'm assuming, for a decade or so typing New England Patriots there, Vinny? Yeah, the Bills certainly were our pick, but I'm feeling that the Patriots could still pull this off. I think with seven playoff teams, what uh, Bill Pell, Jack will do will be like, we just have to get in. Once you're in the tournament, you have an equal shot as anyone else. So I think that's their only goal because really for them, if they're not winning Super Bowls, I mean, that's the highest standard they have there, then what else is the point? So for them, I think it's just about sneaking into the tournament. You can maybe do that with nine wins here doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. That's all they look at. So I, I could definitely see that from the Patriots. The Bills have to be a favorite hub. I mean, very good team all around. Very few holes here defensively or offensively. Uh, Josh Allen's a little bit of a wild card. He's a little bit erratic quarterback. But we know the Patriots have a much bigger wild card at quarterback without Tom Brady this year. So it should be fun division. I, I just know uh, it'll be interesting to see the bottom, to see if the Dolphins or Jets, uh, who kind of uh, – starts to inch along to be that next team that can pass the Patriots. Vinny, I also know you're a big uh, fantasy football player. Had my first draft earlier this week and was woefully unprepared for that one. Got Took three Drew Locke in the first round? I, I did not. I didn't go that bad, but it was very close to that. Vinny, uh, with that, you look at this year, what's a, a general overview of fantasy as uh, people doing a lot of their drafts coming up this weekend? Any rules of thumb as people prepare for it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you look at uh, quarterback and tight end, it's a very similar rule. You go early. For, you either go hit the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson uh, situation if the value merits, or George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. You already wait a little bit, and you'll find some really good values later at that position, guys that can well overachieve their uh, draft position here in fantasy football. So same thing goes over there. I think running backs, the shift has happened more where these uh, workhorse running backs are – more available here, but you want to make sure you get at least one of those guy that's uh, in line for 18 to 20 touches per game. There's plenty of those guys available uh, more so than uh, in previous years. So it's going to be a running back heavy early uh, couple rounds there. You'll see Michael Thomas and some other wide receivers creep in there, but it, yeah, running backs have always been the foundation of uh, fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I don't think that changed too much. We just have had a little bit of uh, drought there, but now we got some, elite backs getting paid at teams being carried by them. So 
it's kind of thrown back to the days of Marshall Falk and Ladanian Tomlinson and and Sean Alexander, where having those top backs really puts you apart in fantasy football. So, again, those are the general things here. But uh, I, I think the biggest thing is uh, make sure that uh, you're always getting someone who's going to exceed the expectations and the value where you draft them. Uh, Vinny, last thing for you, kind of dovetails on one of Trent's questions uh, earlier regarding the the buzz. And is is hard knocks a barometer? And if it is, I mean, the NFL's in trouble yeah. because the numbers, Vinny, are just. I mean, they're in the tank this year. Like we, nobody ever uh, forecast they would fall this bad. I'm starting to get. I'm not, I shouldn't say starting. I'm into it. Last week's episode was was certainly um, one that. Well, that, that's the times we're living in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Um, it may just. It may just sit back a little bit and 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 made you think, which was good. But uh, your thoughts on hard knocks with the two teams? Uh, what's the reasoning behind the ratings being down uh, as big as they are? Well. First of all, and I wrote a column about this, I didn't think it was a good idea to go through with this show. I just didn't think the production value and the effort and energy was going to be worth the return, and it turns out I was right. Part of it is just Rams and Chargers. These are two teams. They, The NFL is so intent on making Los Angeles happen. It just built a stadium. It's almost like they don't really care that the Rams and Chargers aren't popular. They just look at their network being in Los Angeles. We've got to have a big uh, presence here because it's a big market. We, and so it feels everything about Los Angeles with the NFL, with the Chargers and Rams seems a bit forced, and so does this, like spending that much money on a stadium, clearly uh, with the intent of uh, having a Super Bowl showcase for it coming up in a couple of years. But in terms of the team specifically, where do you find the fans? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like you had a lot of passion in San Diego. St. Louis uh, didn't really uh, buy too much into the Rams while they were there that, they enjoyed the championship for sure, but they didn't really have a nationwide following. So you look at these fan bases, probably two of the most uh, limited in the NFL with their scope, and you don't know exactly where they are, even in their own town. So I think it has a lot to do with the Rams and Chargers specifically, not having the passion. You look at last year, Raiders certainly got a lot of attention. demand. It had Antonio Brown drama and all that, but there are just a lot of people who care a lot about the Raiders. So if you had a team even like Washington football team or uh, – uh, someone of that nature that has a good following, I think it would have been better ratings here for Hard Knocks. But timing, the teams, uh, just not all that inspiring. But I don't think the NFL should read into it too much. I think it's the same old, same old with stop forcing Los Angeles as an NFL city and everyone. Uh, Vinny, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Vinny. Our sportingnews.com is where you can read Vinny. Sportingnews.com as derby picks are up uh, as well. Thanks, Vinny. All right, thanks. Have a good one, guys. Yeah, you do the same. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. A little breaking news on the NFL front. Al Michaels is going to have a couple of bye weeks built in to his Sunday night schedule this year, starting week three. So that tells me that they are traveling then. Yes. The broadcasters will go. because At least for that crew, they mm-hmm. they plan to travel. I think the Saints are involved with that week three game. Also, as he's not done the last couple of years, will not do that Thursday Thanksgiving night game. Uh, another one so off. Tariko's the guy? Tariko will be the guy for the play-by-play. Tariko also will handle the play-by-play duties for the second wildcard game that they'll get this year with the expanded NFL playoffs up to seven in each mm-hmm. conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Bender, in a moment, before we do, we'll give you the keyword momentarily. Some news from Penn State's Director of Athletic Medicine. His name is Wayne Sebastianelli. He says that cardiac MRI scans revealed that roughly 30 to 35% of Big Ten athletes who have tested positive for COVID-19 appear to have myocarditis. 
30 to 35 of the Big Ten athletes that have been positive, 30 to 35% of those athletes, according to Wayne Sebastianelli, appear to have myocarditis. What does that do? When I read that, and if this is the reason, the sole or the majority reason that they're not having football, there's not going to be football this year. There's not going in to be basketball in the Big Ten. There's not going to be basketball this year. If this is what they're looking at, and this is the reason for it, you can't say, "Well, you know what? Well, we'll bring you back in November or January." Or basketball, it's fine for them. You can't do it, right? And Penn State was one of the na- was one of the no votes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks wonder, well, why is Penn State not involved? Because it seemed like Franklin was out there wanting to play. Well, we have our reason. Uh, We'll talk to Bill Bender about this and other college football topics coming up. KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword HAPPY to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. HAPPY! to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. One of- 10-3-2020. Joined by Dr. Heidi Bell with Elite Eye Care in West Des Moines. It's football season. Concussions always a big topic. This year, two to three million sports-related concussions will occur, and about half of those go unreported. Two out of every ten high school students will suffer a concussion. The most important part is following through with your doctor, but the recommendations are different than they used to be. At Elite Eye Care, we can diagnose and treat the post-concussion visual symptoms that typically exist. That's Dr. Heidi Bell with Elite Eye Care, University Avenue in West Des Moines. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, just past 1130 got our friend Bill Bender in here from the Sporting News, sportingnews.com. It's the Sporting News Hour here on KXNO. It's that Vinny Iyer, NFL writer. Now we get his colleague, college football columnist, Bill Bender. Bill, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Bill Bender? I have to do better than Vinny now. So uh, Pressure's on. Fire away. <laughs> yeah, pressure's on. Uh, let's, uh, a couple of things, Bill. I'm not sure if you've seen this uh, report from Penn State's Director of Athletic Medicine, Wayne Sebastianelli. Uh, this came out within the last hour. Uh, he says that uh, cardiac MRI scans revealed that roughly... 30 to 35% of Big Ten athletes who have tested positive for COVID uh, appear to have myocarditis. Seems like a big number, Bill, starting to realize when we pull back the curtain, maybe why these presidents and chancellors uh, from the Big Ten who were against playing and floated out their myocarditis is an issue. Uh, this uh, this uh, athletic medicine I don't know if he's a doctor or not, but this report certainly shed some light on why they were reluctant to go forward with the season. I think they still are. And there's a, there's a very public battle being fought in the media here about whether or not they're going to revote, whether or not they play in October, when they should play. It's amazing that of all the things I've talked about over the last couple of weeks, the Big Ten really is the lead item. And, and it's because of this passionate movement to get them to play this season versus this medical data that yeah i'm just starting to read that now and um i don't know what to think i mean part of me thinks they're going to try to give it a go and do a review revote but 
I believe that when I see it. I always say it's hard for people in power to admit they're wrong. There is no doubt about that. And the continued speculation, we, we have random forms of people out there from Sir Yacht on Twitter to Dan Patrick and talking about this October 10th base. Your conversations that you have, your sources, Bill, do you see a path at all to fall football of any form or fashion, October, November, happening for the Big Ten? I think they're exploring it because they've seen the, what Trent, what it comes down to is I think at this point in September, I really do believe the Big Ten thought the other three would call it all. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened. We have an FBS game tonight. It's not a great one, but I mean, Southern Miss, uh, South Alabama is what it is. And I think that's why there's this itch that, oh, maybe we made the wrong decision, Ken. How can we do it and do it right? Just to me, though, um, Thanksgiving start is a non-starter to me. If you're going to go, go in October. Mm-hmm. Get the season in, try to get a team in the playoffs, go from there. I think that's the best path forward. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Bill. It, uh, the November floating that out there was like, if you're going to do November, why can't you do October? Mm-hmm. And if you do October, then perhaps the Big Ten is in play for the playoff. Bill, it's my opinion that knowing Sir Yacht's an Ohio guy and knowing Dan Patrick is an Ohio guy, now sure he's national, but you get my point, he's, uh, that this that the rumors of the coaches meeting together on a, on a teleconference, I think that this push is coming from inside uh, the coaching offices at Ohio State. And if I'm right, I understand it because they have the most to lose. They are legitimate, as you said last week, uh, national championship contender. They've got a ton to lose. Are these rumors, were they started and planted, in your opinion, by people inside Ohio State? Well, that's the thing. I have so many Ohio Twitter followers that I'm like, this makes sense, all of it. And I think part of it stems from me is a lot of us here in the state watched Pickerington North and Pickerington Central play on ESPN Sunday. By the way, I did off. too, thanks to your advice. I watched that before some baseball. I'm glad I did. It wasn't, I mean, it was a blowout, but it was fun to watch. And Central looks like they could win the Mid-American Conference, don't they? They're, they're really good. Um, they've got a lot of D1 talent there, and that's where my son will go to high school, so he's got a lot of work to do. And uh, that's why we're out every uh, night running the route tree. But, um, you know, it, it's – yes, the push from Ohio is very real. Um, I think they want to play. It's obvious that when the vote came out, that didn't surprise me one bit, that Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska were those three schools. and. It is very real here. So some of the sources I've heard, I mean, it's it's pretty credible that the, if they do revote or I, they at the very least are exploring things that they weren't exploring a couple weeks ago. Big news from the SEC, a transfer, Jamie Newman mm-hmm. of Wake Forest. He has made the announcement that he is opting out of the 2020 season. It was him and JT Daniels, the USC transfer, battling for the quarterback job at Georgia. How big of an impact? And I know a lot of people believe that Newman was going to be the guy quarterback for the Bulldogs. What's the latest there? Well, I mean, he's not going to play, obviously. And, I mean, it opens up a door for JT Daniels to play uh, if he's ready. But, I mean, he's not cleared for contact yet. So, Mm -hmm. it's... For Georgia, the, the two big hits this week in the SEC, that was one, and then Jamar Chase was the other, uh, the Blitnikoff win, Award winner that opted not to play this season at LSU. And he is every bit the talent in person that, that is advertised. So two really big impact players are out. And, that, again, this is this whole thing where, you know, on one hand I, I think the Big Ten might play, and then on the other I'm seeing some key SEC guys opt out. And I just – the uncertainty – 
knowing that, that, that a lot of Power 5 schools are going to be playing next weekend is off the chart. Yes, the ACC will go, the Big 12 will go, and then we'll wait a couple of uh, weeks for the uh, SEC on the 26th. So, Bill, do you believe we'll see more big names opt out between now and the uh, kickoff of the SEC season on the 26th? Well, that's one of my big questions. So let's say the Big Ten goes. Can guys opt back in? It's a legit question. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of of really key players are out. Now, Mm -hmm. could – you know, Jalen Mayfield, for example, Michigan offensive lineman, could he opt back in? And I think that's why Ohio State guys, you haven't seen them move one way or the other. I know there's been some wild Justin Fields rumors out there that none of them have any credibility so far. Um, but it is something to consider that, you know, if they do it, can guys opt back in? I think they should be given a little bit of freedom on that end, too. The myocarditis news that we talked about earlier in the Big Ten do you anticipate this is something where the players uh, in the SEC, ACC, Big 12 are going to look at that number and say, you know what, I'm going to put myself in a bubble and get ready for the draft, especially you know those older draft-eligible guys? I don't know. It feels like maybe momentum starting to build back the other way just from this one story from out in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more. And, and whether it's planet or however you want to put it, I mean, the, the stories are out there. And I think health is so important. For, for these student-athletes, and it's got to be considered. It's, it's got to be part of the discussion. And I know we all love football, but that kind of stuff, I don't think it's some made-up narrative. Yeah. I mean, it really has been a wild week in terms of this and, and what football means to people and what the political side of it. And, and that's very real. Um, with Trump and Biden, real sentiment or not, to, to get their message across politically. I think that's a very real factor. In mm-hmm. uh, no doubt. Bill Bender, Sporting News, is our guest. Bill, the best game of the weekend, and I don't want to wish my long weekend away, nobody does, but uh, Monday night, BYU-Navy, I think, has got a chance to um, be really good, right? We've waited for college football. Yes, we saw a little bit of it last week, and it certainly started with a bang, the 75-yard run. The big games tonight, as you and Trent, the sicko, mentioned. Um, and there's a slate of games that will take place on Saturday. But BYU-Navy, far and away the most competitive game, Bill, don't you think? Yeah, and I'll, I'll tune into that on Labor Day. I think the way we're kind of approaching it there is um, – you know, we'll see if I don't know if it's going to register nationally, but it's something we'll all watch, and hopefully it'll be an exciting finish. I think that one could be a tight one. Uh, Vegas has moved that line up and down a little bit. I kind of like Navy in that one at home. You know, the midshipman, that triple tri- triple option, get that going. Um, but BYU's got a nice quarterback in Zach Wilson. That's an important game for both of those teams too, from the standpoint of if they really have New Year's Day six aspirations, you almost have to go perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's going to be the case for, for any of those teams and getting in there. And, well, we have the New Year Six. Well, that's a conversation for a different day. I was uh, reading an old Miss preview uh, just the other day and got to thinking, and I wanted to pose this to you, and I knew we'd have you on later in the week. Who ultimately has the better career in the state of Mississippi? Is it Lane Kiffin with the Rebels, mm. or is it Mississippi State and Mike Leach? Who are you betting on long-term there in Mississippi? I'd answer that two ways. I think Leach will be more entertaining yeah. just simply from the press conference factor. You know, we get to see that style in the SEC once and for all. 
they're going to throw it around right off the opener against an LSU team that lost everybody. Mm-hmm. You got Mississippi State and the Pirate and all that kind of stuff. Long-term success, though, I think it's Kiffin. I think he's learned so many le- – he, he did his career in a Benjamin Button-type arc, and now he goes here with a chance to really succeed. I think he'll recruit well. I think he'll score points. I think he's one of the brighter offensive in the sport when it really comes down to it. And the work he did at FAU, I'd, I'd, I'd go Kiffin on that one, Trent. Uh, last thing, Bill. Have you heard anything? I, I know that the Bulls are apparently they're still having their meetings. They're still getting together. They're planning like there is going to be a bowl game in their city. I, that seems like such a long shot to me, Bill. Have you heard anything? Not the New Year's Six, but some of the some of the other bowls uh, as, uh, as to what uh, are they still planning on trying to pull this off? I think the landscape could change, you know, daily. Really, um, you know, there is a story out there that you know all 76 teams that are playing might play in a bowl game just to fill them out mm. i wouldn't complain no. i mean especially this year but we'll see I, I think certain bulls may be in trouble um you know but and then others you know i, I think i've just said all along let's work inside out you start with the playoff get to the new year's day six get to some of those heavy hitter january first bulls like the gator bowl the citrus bowl and then we go from there but i mean i I've, I tell people this every time in December. I've said it on your show. People that complain about bulls, they're not going to be doing that this year. You're going to want as many as you can have. I'm going to miss the bull pool, the confidence pool, if they don't pull that off, Bill Bender. That's uh, something to look forward to each and every year. Bill, thank you. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. You can read him at sportingnews.com. Thank you. thank you, Bill. Hey, thanks. Thank you, Bill Bender. From the Sporting News. Some breaking news from the Iowa High School Athletic Association and the ongoing saga of Arlen Bruce IV, the Kansas City wide receiver, transferred up to Ankeny yes. High to be with yes. the Hawks. He will not be playing in Week 2. Uh, this comes from Matthew Bain of the Des Moines Register. As Tuesday morning, a hearing was held at Polk County District Court, mm-hmm. rejected the request for an injunction allowing him to play. His appeal will be heard by the boys in Boone, Bruce's will, on Thursday of next week. So at least the Week 2 matchup for the Ankeny Hawks and Waukee, Bruce will not be on the field in uniform. That's right. Next week, and it's a short week, it's going to be a fascinating week for high school-wise. You've got that. You've got the city schools not playing. You've got Ames. You've got the two cities. Three schools now, remember, with Liberty. Liberty. Because they opened Liberty, right. what, two years right. ago? Right. So there's three high schools there, Ames, yep. and it will continue on. So there's nine of them, I think, is the is number. It, that sounds right, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Tomorrow nights, as we sit here today, is their final game of the year. Mason City will not be playing the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. That was announced earlier this week. My Osage Green Devils will not be playing. They should play Fort Dodge. Fort Dodge looking for a game. Well, Osage has a COVID case, so oh, they, will, so they the were ones. scheduled gotcha. to play Clear Lake on Friday night. Clear Lake will play Iowa City Regina because Regina, their opponent, also had COVID cases. So Clear Lake against Iowa City Regina. Talk about bumping up a couple Jeez. of classes there for Regina and a couple of former Hawkeyes going up against each other. Marv Cook on the sideline for Regina and Jared DeVries on the nice. sideline for Clear Lake. They'll be doing battle on Friday night. Oh, it's good that they got together to yes. play. Long right. road trip. It is a long road trip, but schools will never play again in the... Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's certainly interesting. But um, a, a really something to watch next week. This is wild, isn't with the it? Bruce situation and now these nine schools that will hear their fate. So they are going to court those schools, right? Or, uh, Des Moines, have we heard anything? Well, and you, you see this injunction... 
they're going to ask for an injunction at the very least you'd anticipate, but it does not feel like there has been any give at all from the governor's office. With that, Hoover doesn't even have a game scheduled this week. They might finish the year 1-0. Unbeaten. Unbeaten. State champs. Mythical. Uh I mean, Alabama, they they claim a bunch of them. Scott Frost would claim that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Uh, we'll take our final time out, Miller and Condon, with you until noon. To file that away for next week. That's mm-hmm. going to be a really big week, high school sports-wise, to watch. Sadly, all the games are taking place in courtrooms. It's 1460 KXNO and 1... Since 2012, the nonprofit organization Opportunity on Deck has strived to provide free-of-charge athletic opportunities and educational programs to more than 3,000 children throughout Central Iowa. Opportunity on Deck's annual slow-pitch softball fundraiser, The Game for Good, will be played at Principal Park on Sunday, September 20th. Teams this year will be coached by former Hawkeye greats Tim Dwight, Tavian Banks, and Jenny Baranche. To play, volunteer, or donate, go to opportunityondeck.org. Hi, Miller and Condon. Final few minutes here on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Uh, you saw DraftKings is putting a sports book at Wrigley Field. Yes, I'm pumped up about that. Or Next Wrigleyville. Time make... Right, yeah. Uh, somewhere in the vicinity, though. I think it's inside the, the They're going to try for yeah. inside, the, inside the walls, or you'll be able to access it in the wintertime when there's no game going on, get access to it. But uh, did you see how much money that DraftKings is paying the Cubs to do that? No. I think I saw... A hundred million dollars for that partnership? Not bad. There's so much money in this, Trent. Now, make sure that you figure out actually how to score games correctly on like the NHL. Whoa. And that goal two nights ago. Mm, that was bad. Empty netter with .2 seconds left, mm-hmm. and we're not going to allow it. Well, if you're laying a one and a half, it's a loser. No, it was. It's, it's not right. I mean, get you, it right. There's also props out there you can bet. Will there be an empty net goal? Sorry. You don't get that victory. And the NHL's in partnership with yes. well, all the leagues yes, are. Yes, PGA has like 12 different partnerships mm-hmm. with different properties out there. The NHL has a lot of them. And, and of course, we heard, Vegas. heard earlier this week from Brian Arilco that I was about to become the wild, mm-hmm. wild west. Yeah, we're On opening January up here. first. How nuts, just today, I'm thinking back to the show and the conversations that we had. We didn't touch on a great Game 7 in the NBA. Didn't no. touch on it no. for one moment. We didn't talk about so many different things. We are overloaded with sports, even with things that aren't happening. It's true. With the Big Ten not playing, with yeah. the Pac-12. Well, that's, that's that. going to be a subject every day, the Big Ten it not will. playing. Yes, and the continued speculation. Will they, will they rumors, or won't they? What's going to happen? Do you believe what's happening? Is Sir Yacht going to be right? Mm. I don't think he's going to be right. I don't think so either, but boy, there's cer- he's certainly he's not backing down, Trent. He's convinced. Steve Nash hired as the Nets yeah, head coach today. Four-year deal. Uh, Josh Gordon, he gets re-signed with the Seahawks. Even but he hasn't he's even still- reinstated, no, right? He's not even close. Crazy, crazy. Well, uh, we got some Cubs play this afternoon. So I'll at least that, that 1235 makes, start, makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Get that. Fill it out a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, get through the afternoon with some Cubs baseball, and then after that into more NBA tonight. What's the what's the puck schedule looking uh, like? Stars for you? Avalanche, right? Game seven. Didn't we talk about maybe doing a little something something with those Lance? You kept saying they're they the better were team. Down three one. Mm-hmm. Remember you got the price for me, and it wasn't high enough. And it I wasn't, so I said just go money line every single yeah. time. 
And you keep building that, and that's how you're going to get a better payoff. I believe Colorado will win the, the decisive game seven tonight. I'm on them again. Good for I you. I didn't parlay it, though. I right. think you're on the right side. And we began the show with a big story that uh, nobody knew about. Uh, the fact that Valley Dowling, ESPN, wanted to broadcast this game, and both of the coaches or, or both of the administrations uh, declined the opportunity to show their the state's showcase game on ESPN this week. I do have a play for tonight's college football. Oh, you do? Been doing a little math. Mm-hmm. Been going to the, uh, you know, the, the power numbers that I have, and they're not real, real strong. But I like the over. Tonight. And what's the, what's the number? 52 and a hook. So you're looking for a lot of scoring. A lot of scoring tonight. Last year, South Alabama, 119th ranked, both rush defense and overall defense in college football. No place to go but up. Won't start tonight against Southern Miss. Expect points in game one of the FBS versus FBS college football season. Uh, BYU, Navy going to be the best game oh, of the weekend, yeah. I would think, I, by most my... anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I it, so. it could turn out to be a blowout, but... There's just not a whole lot of meat in that bone. No. We mentioned Memphis, Arkansas State. It's a big number. I, I was doing a little research here. That Arkansas State team, they're pretty good a couple of years ago. They're mm-hmm. awful, or were awful, at least last year. So maybe some of the shine of that game was taken away as I started to mm-hmm. research the Red Wolves a little bit deeper. But the weekend after that? It's on. Big 12. places. How about We didn't even touch on Iowa State because it was yeah. announced right after our show ended right. yesterday. Going from 25,000 to nobody. I thought that they could pull it off. I, I did, did too. I, and Just I thought. Because of the fan base we're talking about. And how about Governor Reynolds in her press conferences? Like minutes before they announced it, Trent. She was all in. Yes. Thinks it's a great idea. I get in my car and Twitter starts going crazy that. Uh, that they've uh, backpedaled on the there's going to be no fans in the building. And I guess it was public opinion that swayed them, or certainly swayed the president. Oh, really? Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, apparently it was um, push, It was blowback, that uh, the negative uh, blowback from a number of people in the community that uh, caused her to change her mind. So we'll see. I mean, that's not uh, they're not ruling out fans when Oklahoma comes to town in early October. I think that's the 3rd of October, I believe. That's the one you want them in there. Indeed. I want him in all of them. Mm, true story. Uh, Murph and Andy coming up at 2, the Fanatics at 4. And then the morning rush tomorrow morning. They'll kick things off locally at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon. Thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3.